you know, going into this Saturday, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. I mean, it, it shocked me. That's Well, here we go. It's last play of the game here. If they don't do it now, nothing's going to happen. Back in the pocket. Looks, looks, fires. Oh, my God, he caught it. He caught it. 10, 5, touchdown. This is Saturdays in the States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Saturdays in the States. I'm your host, Andrew Parker. And, guys, we're in the thick of it now. We're we are in the thick of it. This is where the differentiation between te- teams starts to take place. This is where it starts to happen. Okay, you have those four and ones versus five and zeros. You have those four and four and twos versus those you know two and twos or whatever. Like it's the little subtle differences in records. And it's those very close games that will decide who is a contender and who is not. For instance, Iowa and Penn State. Iowa went into that game four and one. Penn State five and zero. Now for Iowa, five and one would have looked a lot better than four and two, but that didn't happen because in the past, I don't know, two games they've been able to score only one touchdown. That's kind of a problem. And again, Penn State showed off, you know, a little bit more of their athleticism. It kind of showed there that you know, for as well coached as Iowa is. Their athleticism, you know, still takes time, and that's just the 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 trend at Iowa. Whereas Penn State is a more a reputable program where they can recruit that talent. Um, so that's what kind of showed off there. Although great credit to Iowa, nonetheless, I'm just trying to point point my, prove my point to you listeners that that is a key example of a game where those were two teams that came in with high expectations. Both teams had every right to win that game. I'd throw the rankings out in a high Big Ten game, high high uh, stake Big Ten game like that. All I'm trying to say is. That is a perfect example of a of a team of a separation game. There are separation games where it says, "All right, your team wants to go to the next level, and this is where you're gonna have to do. You have to do every, you know, you're gonna have to battle through the adversity and do the little things right." And that's what Penn State showed in that game. So, um, you know, games across the board that showed that. But I would say that was probably the best example of those were two teams, both you know, top twenty rankings. And it's not like Iowa. I mean, Iowa wasn't favored in that, but it's not like they they were completely uh, underdogs. I believe the stat was at that point under um, Coach Franklin, Penn State was 0 and 11 on the road against ranked teams. I believe that is what the stat that they said on ESPN. And obviously, they took a step in the right direction under his uh, under his leadership, and they got that hard earned victory uh, at Iowa. Um, so anyway, just to wrap that that a little uh, opening segment up there, as going forward. It's going to start to matter more and more, and this is where I think you'll see more separation games. I feel going forward in the next few weeks, there'll be some obvious games where some some uh, higher-ranked opponents are just going to be facing some lesser opponents, and that just happens. But then, you know, when those big games happen, you know, in two, three weeks for your team, whoever that may be, um, it'll be big, and it'll be a big-time separation game. So just keep that in mind, folks. All right, so as we all know, LSU faced Florida. It was the game of the day, and LSU won, which I feel personally that gives LSU the title as DBU. Now, I'm only saying this on the basis of this, okay? Despite, you know, the the even um, statistics and the draft picks and all of this and all that that chatter going back and forth. Here's the differentiation of the game. Ironically, well, cannot surprisingly, it shouldn't be that surprising though. What is was a defensive back made an interception for LSU that Florida couldn't do. That that is that is it. I guarantee you that if Florida doesn't make that pass or that pass isn't intercepted, completely different ball game, and and it could have gone the other way for as back and forth. But you know, it was back and forth, left hook, right hook, punch, 
take a punch, give a punch, uh, that, you know, that mentality to the game. But at the end of the day, I mean, with all the chatter between the, the defensive back units, it, you know, LSU walked the walk. I mean, they talked the talk, but they, they backed it up. Their defensive back made that key interception uh, late in the game, and that ended up deciding that game. Now, no disrespect to Florida at all and, and their program and, and what they have going with their defensive back units there. I'm just saying that we physically got to see that argument put on display and we got to see which one went out. And Florida, don't 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 try and, and say that it was a one-time thing. Trust me, it wasn't like two minutes left in the game. There was plenty of times your defensive backs could have made a key interception and they didn't come up with it at all. That or... You know, it also combines with LSU's uh, quarterback is just that good. You know, and, and he didn't make a, a, a silly errant interception. Regardless, you know, Florida, if you're gonna if you're gonna say this about your your defensive unit, I would back it up. And you still had plenty of game to match the contender, and maybe the debate would still be going on if you matched their interception with an interception of your own. That's that's a very uh, possible thing to happen. I'm just trying to say that um, LSU won, Florida did not, and it was on the basis of uh, LSU's defensive backs. Uh, I salute you, and I am saying right now, just based off that game, LSU is DBU. That's being said. Now, this also answers another question that I have had is, what is the team that's going to beat Alabama? What is the one team that can do it? And I think LSU is the team. We obviously saw Georgia wasn't able to do it, and I'll get to them in a minute. But we obviously saw that Georgia couldn't handle uh, a South Carolina team. Now, an inspired South Carolina team, but nonetheless, you're in Athens at your home, and you have one of the great, uh, the best kicker in the nation. You, you can't make mental errors like that. So I will say that Georgia, you know, maybe they, they have a lot of history with Alabama. Maybe they can use that to fuel them. But what I will say is... Um, just based off of pure skill and talent and, and um, mental toughness, I will say I would pick LSU in that dogfight against Alabama. Now, could they do it? That's the other thing. But would I have confidence in picking them? Oh, no question. No question. After what I saw them do against Florida, they outlast them, you know, get, landed a few more punches, had that key interception. Their quarterback, again, played as he always does phenomenally and again the big talk going into that game aside from the the defensive units was that offense that LSU had and they needed that I guarantee if they use that old prehistoric one back offense they would lose that game but because of how well that offensive unit has gotten together and and gotten uh, a flow this season it showed that they outlasted Florida just plain and simple and it was great uh Aside from that, I will say that that crowd there was just phenomenal. Uh, again, one of the great reasons why we love this uh, sport, everybody, is just that that atmosphere that you can't get at a college football, at an NFL game. Just phenomenal. So hats off to you in Death Valley. But yeah, regardless, LSU is DBU, um, and I also think that they could legitimately pose a threat to Alabama. Uh, later in the season. So we will see. Um, again, Florida still has a lot to prove. They still have a ton of games ahead of them. And I guarantee that they will um, they will do fine. Now, leading off of that, there are two people this weekend that earned my full respect. And these are two people that I was, I've was i been critical of. But this past weekend, I saw them both uh, uh, on display and they um, delivered. And they officially, I, I think that they're the real deal. One of them being Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts played in the Red River shootout and did what all great players would do, and they beat their their biggest rival, and they did it um, easily. Okay, I don't know about that. I'm. Oh, wait, no, yeah. Yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, no. That that probably be, I don't know about Oklahoma State. I think I personally view it as um uh Texas is bigger than Oklahoma State, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. But anyway, no, Jalen Hurts did a phenomenal job. He showed his mobility, showed his poise in the pocket. That was my thing was he hadn't faced an actual defense to to worry about um uh in a game. I mean, yeah, he had faced big Big 12 teams, but they weren't good. I mean, there's like Kansas I think he faced, Texas Tech. I mean, come on. Uh, before that, it was like some FCS schools. That was where I was really – I know he faced UCLA, again, a really bad program. Um, but I was just saying that at the point – at those point in time in those games, those were not good teams to where – I mean, yeah, he's putting up great – he was putting up great numbers during those against those teams, but those were not good teams. Those were not good teams at all. And so the fact that he you know, not only played in an extremely big-time uh, important rivalry game, not only did he leave his legacy in Oklahoma lore by beating Texas, he played a, a well-respected Texas defense that I think Texas, again, is going to do uh, well going the f- in the future. Maybe this will be a lot like last year where they meet up again in the Big 12 title game. I would love to see that. That'd be really fun. Um, but I, I just want to commend Jalen Hurts for what he did, uh, really showed his maturity and poise. And one thing that I've started to really love about Jalen Hurts that I never thought this of him in a, in a bad way. Like, I didn't think he was the opposite of this. I just never noticed it. I never went out of my way to, to really appreciate this. He is so quiet. He is so quiet, and he lets his, his, his playing do the talking. And I love that. When a player is good and gifted and on the field, he's quiet and he's just supportive of his teammates and he's giving high fives and he's a, he's a team guy. That is what I love. That is what I like about Jalen Hurts. I mean, if you see him, if you see him compose himself on the field, see him talk, man, he does, he lets all of his, his playing do it for him. And here's the deal. I think at times, because, uh, we, we like to think that the way a person plays kind of um, dictates their attitudes towards things. So, for instance, with Jalen Hurts, uh, some people may think that because he plays really well and he's, he's very mobile and does all this stuff that he's a bit cocky and arrogant and because he scores a lot, you, scoring a lot isn't cocky. Scoring a lot is just being really good. It's in the moments where he's kind of on the sideline with his teammates or, or he's being interviewed or, or you know, just kind of like how, how he carries himself. That's, that is what we should, we should be looking for. And here with Jalen Hurts, I mean, my goodness, he just has a, like, when he's on the field, he's quiet and he has that look in his eyes as if he's going to torch defenses. And it's just great to watch. And I really commend that and love that about him. I don't know if that's, um, you know, I assume most of that is, is, is his personality and how he is and how he carries himself, which is great. But, I mean, you have to think, too, that that is kind of like the um, the, the the team mentality that that, that that Oklahoma offense has. They have a brotherhood. They have a respect for each other. They know they're a unit. I mean, they, they respect Jalen Hurts for what he does and what he brings to that to the table. But I think that when they're in that huddle, when they're in that locker room, when they're on the bus, when they're on the plane, when they're having meals, that it is a unit mentality. It is a 11-man uh killing machine and uh that is just great to see that's awesome so that's one person that earned my respect this weekend there's one other person and his and he was a loser actually this person lost and that was dan mullen dan mullen the head coach of um the florida gators and it's plain and simple that this entire season up to this point i had kind of thought florida was was fake i thought that they um you know they had talked a little bit too much. They, you know, they were a little bit too uh, dramatic with how they carried themselves. They hyped themselves up. 
but they kept winning and winning. And then I, I honestly thought that going into this LSU game that they were going to get blown out and it was going to be like 24 to 7 going into halftime. I, leg- I legitimately thought that. And then I looked up and they're, you know, they're scoring left and right. And I mean, I understand he threw that interception. It was an errant pass. Um, that'll come with experience. But at the end of the day, that gives me a lot of respect for what Dan Mullen has done uh, with that program at uh, Florida. Just really great. Um, I uh, I like to think that uh, that he really showed uh, where that program is going. He liked to really, that was the night that he got to put his his direction uh, in front of everybody to see, okay, this is where I'm taking this program. This is what our players are buying into. This is this is where we want to go. And, and you know, you got to respect him for that. I, I, it'd be hard to go in there late at night and win a game. It'd be really hard. I can't, I can't yell at him for that. Not at all. I, again, he coached his team up very well to play in a really big time game and he matched them punch for punch, except for that one last, that or that one uh, interception. That I, fi- I firmly believe that is the differentiator of the game. I firmly believe that that if um, that interception is not thrown, it is a different ball game. Do they win? I couldn't tell you, but it'd be a much different ball game. I bet you'd be about a touchdown difference. I bet you would kind of turn into okay, who has the ball last type of deal. Um, but buying large though, Dan Mullen again. You're someone who's earned my respect this weekend. Uh, I I feel that you you have um, showed your pedigree of coaching. You aren't just carrying the pedigree of the program. You are implementing yourself into uh, what uh, you want your players to to be and 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 simplify simplify words. I don't know. Hopefully you understand what I mean, everybody. So with that being said, that was a big. With that being said, that was a big time uh, SEC matchup, big time uh, primetime game, and it's starting, folks. It's starting. Well aware that the SEC is a really great conference, but the problem with the great conference is if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, and in order to beat the man, you got to beat a few others along the way to beat him. So, uh, it, you know, Georgia fell victim to the cannib- the cannibalization of how good the SEC is. They got to bring it every week. And that game, you could obviously tell that Georgia was kind of peeking ahead in their schedule and they did not respect South Carolina. You could easily see that. I saw it. Um, and there's no reason why they should have lost that game. You're at home. You're heavily favored. I mean, uh, respect South Carolina and what they did. But um, obviously, Georgia had, had too much talent and... Um, uh, too good of a coach to, to be outplayed like that. You could obviously tell that they had a game plan and the players took the day off. And you can't do that. When you want to be great, when you want to be like Alabama, when you want to be like Clemson, it is an everyday thing. It is an all-the-time thing. There's one of the things that um, our basketball coach tells us here is how it is an everyday thing. Being great isn't a sometimes thing. It is an all-the-time thing. And Georgia learned that the hard way. That kicker learned that the hard way. Uh, you know, it's all about having that mental edge of everything I'm going to do. I'm going to do 100% to the best of my ability, and uh, no one's going to stop me. And I may mess up, but I'm going to move on, and I'm going to take notes, and I'm going to get better. And uh, that's going to be the mentality that I would like to um, watch going forward with Georgia is – you lost. What are you going to do going forward? What is the team's mentality? Um, obviously, I think that that sh- that may be their only loss of the year. But man, you never know. That's the one thing that we uh, that we forget here is that these are not pros. These are kids. They have a lot of things going on. They have schoolwork. They have friendship. They got they got a lot of stuff. I mean, for you know, 
their kids can't can't deny that. So who knows what their what their mentality is going to be going forward in these next few games? Um, obviously, I think um, Kirby Smart's going to coach Georgia up really well, but uh, you know Georgia has fallen victim to to the greatness of the SEC, saying you know, and and that's what I mean is every team has great talent and um you got to bring it every week and if you don't you're gonna lose and that was very obvious about georgia so that team lost folks um nebraska nebraska didn't do too hot nebraska you didn't do well in fact you did horrible i I might add like bad like I think I could have done a better job that's all I'm going to say now I think I think we need to um commend um coach Frost here on something I've I've tried to get this through to my viewers a few or my listeners a few times and I don't think I can quite make it more obvious than this past game against Minnesota Oh my god. Um it takes time to make a program good. It takes time. You can't just go into Nebraska and everything's going to be great and they're going to be 11 and 0 competing for a national title. It's not going to work like that. It takes time. You have to recruit the players, you have to have them buy into your system. It's hard to be good. If it was easy, everybody would be good, and it's not. It's hard. It takes sacrifice. It takes discipline. You have to mess up. I think that's the one thing that people don't associate with success, when, if anything, that should be the one thing they should always be associating success with is failure. And I know that's not what people want to hear. I know that is not what success means. No, success means doing everything right and everything is going your way, and that is correct. But how do people get to success? It's through messing up and trying things and failing and learning and trying again and failing and learning. And I just, it drives me crazy when I see these articles of everyone bashing Scott Frost for what he's doing at Nebraska. Because I'm telling you right now, dude's working his tail off, okay? Nebraska is the greatest coach that they could have at this point right now with the state that their program is in. It's hard. I know. They're not good. But they're going to get there. It's fine. Just give it time, okay? That's all I'm going to say. So if people start complaining about Scott Frost, they don't have patience. That's the thing with today's today's day and age. Everything's fast, this and that. And Oh, if I can look it up on my phone, that's how it should be in the real world. And it's not. If you want to start a business, if you want to coach a team, if you want to work at a relationship, it takes time. You, will just, you don't just immediately get married. You talk with them. You date them for a while. You maybe have some hardships. I, God bless. I hope you don't, but you never know. It's not easy. So, so uh, trust me, here at Saturdays in the States, I'm I'm completely fine with him losing. Now, did it suck? Yeah, it's it, it stunk. But I'm acknowledging that he's putting in work, and, and Nebraska knows he's putting in work. So, you know, uh, he's 4-3 and three right now. I guarantee they can get four more wins. I guarantee it. Keep in mind, last year, like I said last week, they went 0-5 before winning their first game. 0-5. Again, it's the pedigree that's kind of overshadowing the progress. It is the pedigree that is kind of overshadowing the progress. At this point, they were 0-5, I think maybe 1-5. Now they're 4-3. Two more wins, they're guaranteed a bowl. A bowl. Three more wins? Four. I guarantee you, if they go in 8-4, they're going to be a preseason top 20 team. 
I guarantee it. And if they win that bowl game, oh, no question. But be patient. But it's going to be fine. I mean, if we look at the stats here, uh, they went for it on fourth down four times, did not make it. Um, they uh, they were outgained in total yards, 450 to 299. Passing, they did okay. Um, I'm just trying to look here. And they didn't have any turnovers, folks. They didn't have any turnovers. I would say that's one thing that he did right. I mean, yeah, 34-7 sucks. But he didn't turn the ball over. It wasn't like Ohio State where they just tossed it to him. Again, folks, it takes time. Just give Scott Frost the respect he deserves. I. Th- this is just the team we're picking this year, and it's fun because we get to see how other teams uh, work and, and, and learn about them, and that's why I love doing this. And that's one thing that I'm, going, I'm, I'm seeing right now is the fans and the people within that organization, they know what Scott Frost is doing, but everybody outside only uh, takes the pedigree over the, uh, the hard work. So anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, just give Scott Frost his respect. That's all I'm going to leave it on. Give Scott Frost the respect he deserves for the work he's putting in. Now, on the other side of that, folks, we have to acknowledge something in college football. Minnesota is undefeated. I'm going to say that again. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are undefeated. Under Coach Fleck, Remember, row the boat. Remember that Western Michigan we faced Wisconsin and, and lost, but man, they still like that's him. That is him. It's happening. Okay, that's that's another another coach where he's working really hard at what he's doing. Now, looking at their schedule, I'm not gonna lie, I was a bit skeptical at them being undefeated, and so far they haven't really faced great um, great opponents. So let me break it down for you. First week. They beat South Dakota State, which is an FCS school, 28-21, to and I believe they scored late in that. Week 2, they face Fresno State. They win 38-35. to Week 3, Georgia Southern from the Sun Belt. They win 35-32. to Then they face start their Big Ten schedule against Purdue, and they win 38-31. to Then they face Illinois, and they win 40-17. to and then, obviously, this past week, they beat Nebraska 34-7. to So, right off the bat, this is all I'm going to say about their 6-0 schedule, okay? The, the first three teams are, are, borderline, are borderline paying games, pay-to-win games. Then you have Purdue, which is average at best school. You have Illinois, which is a, with a program with no identity that's a joke of a program. And, obviously, you have Nebraska that is just um, not in the—that is, is working to get better, and, obviously— they're not uh, 100%. I'd say Nebraska at best is 65 to 70% there. So, really, I expect them, honestly, to go uh, win their next two games. They're at Rutgers. I expect them to get that easy win. And then I expect them to beat Maryland. Now, this is where it's going to get interesting. And it would be cool if College Game Day was there at Minnesota because um, in three weeks, or the next after Rutgers and Maryland, then they face Penn State. And if Penn State is undefeated and they're going to Minnesota... A, that would be a fun game because uh, it's a, it's an afternoon game uh, and it's up north in the in no- on November 9th and it's cold. And if you have an undefeated Minnesota team against an undefeated Penn State team, that would be really great because it would really get to get to uh, show the nation if Minnesota is for real. That is the one game to see if they are for real. I'm not going to lie. At first, I was kind of questioning why they hadn't been uh, ranked. 
And then I saw their schedule, and I go, oh, that's right. You haven't faced anybody. You haven't. Now, you beat Penn State, good for you. You beat Iowa, awesome. You beat Wisconsin, great. But that that Penn State game is the one that that they should be circling. Now, again, based off of what they've done these past uh, in the past against some of those lesser schools, man, I would still be extremely hesitant against Rutgers. I would still be extremely hesitant against Maryland. Um, those are games where I understand that isn't like the best. Um, those aren't the best Big Ten schools. But what I will say is that I mean, if you can barely beat South Dakota State. Boy, I would really worry about facing Rutgers. And again, in their defense, they did blow out um, Nebraska and they did blow out uh, Illinois, which are lesser Big Ten schools. However, on the flip side, they also barely beat Purdue, which isn't extremely dominant by any sense uh, of the of the word. Um, but that's they're ranked twentieth right now, and um, what what we have to. Uh, what we have to realize is that they're working hard. That you know, Coach Fleck is uh, doing doing his his business, doing his job. But I'm just letting you all know right now, Minnesota is undefeated, and it could make for a very fun game against Penn State. Now, I'm not gonna lie. If we're going into that Penn State game, I'm picking Penn State in a close one, like 14, two touchdowns when they pull away late. But I, I, that's just the reality of it. Who knows? But folks, right now, I'm gonna say it again. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are undefeated. So, anyway, that's that. I want to now go over uh, next week's games, get some predictions. Friday, there's Ohio State against Northwestern. I think we can do the math there. Ohio State, honestly, should be like three. They are one of the the most prolific teams out there. They have shown no um, uh, no stumbles in terms of of uh, coaching switches if anything they've even gotten better which is scary but again Ohio State I expect nothing less than for them to go undefeated this season they are just dominant then you have Clemson at Louisville I bet you Clemson still wins this um, but I bet you Louisville kind of plays them a little bit harder just because they saw what North Carolina did to them I'm still calling Clemson by quite a bit but I can see that first quarter kind of happening to them what kind of happened to Alabama where they played them a bit closer than they'd like but uh, yeah, that, that's just something to kind of keep in mind. Uh, I, it's it must be nice that they kind of had a uh, some time off, you know, and got got that that um, close game out of the way. So West Virginia and Oklahoma, I expect Jalen Hurts to go off. Wisconsin and Illinois, I would like to see if Wisconsin's running back could actually set a single game record. I would like to see him do that. I don't know if he can, but that'd be my challenge to you, sir. Set a single game, either rushing record in yards or touchdowns or something. That'd just be cool. I, I don't know. I don't know that's really unfair against Illinois, but come on, folks. Like, my goodness. Florida and South Carolina. This could be interesting. This could be interesting. South Carolina just came off a big-time win against Georgia. Then you have a, a limping Florida, because Florida's wounded right now. Florida was undefeated, and they lost a big-time game. How are they going to respond? This would be an intriguing game to watch, folks. Even though um, Florida's probably favored, boy, I bet you it is not by a lot given what happened this past weekend. I guarantee you that. So I'm not going to lie. I can see South Carolina maybe winning it. Not saying they will, but if they did, by no means would it be surprising seeing after this past week. So keep that game circled on your calendar, folks. Florida and South Carolina. 
We have Auburn and Auburn and Arkansas. I think they win that pretty handedly. Purdue and Iowa. I think this is going to be a game where Iowa gets their offense on track. In the past two games, Iowa's offense has scored one touchdown. Now, some people say, yeah, but it was against Michigan and one was against Penn State. That's true, but you're a top 25 ranked Big Ten team and you need to have identity as an offense. One of the things that I have harped on this program is if you're going to do well in the Big Ten, you have to assert the offensive line, which for Iowa shouldn't be that hard given the pedigree of offensive linemen that have come out of there and that reputation that they have. Now, uh, this is not... Um, a given by any means at times Iowa is extremely inconsistent they are favored by 16 and a half but um they have to really get their offense together that is their that is their issue defense is fine but your defense can't do it all your offense has to give you something your offense has to provide something and it can't be just field goals it has to be touchdowns and I you know you if you win a game on just field goals, your defense is near perfect. And Iowa's is not that. So I understand they, and I don't know what what they are now, but I know going into um, the Penn State game, they had the third-ranked scoring defense, only allowing like 8.5 points on average a game, which is impressive, but you can't do it all. If you're going to have that good of a defense, you need to have an offense that can match that intensity. And uh, it has been very clear that Iowa's offense has not been able to, to score or do much of anything for whatever reason. So they need to really... Um, I think this is a game where their offense really gets on a roll and finds their identity. That's what I predict. LSU and Mississippi State. I think LSU wins that one pretty handedly. Oregon and Washington. So... This is a game on ABC. Oregon's favored by two and a half. I can see them possibly doing that, but again, folks, this is a separation game. You have five and two Washington versus five and one Oregon, and we all know that six and one looks a lot better than five and two. We all know that, and six and two looks a lot better than five and three. So this will be a game that, and I'm I'm glad they picked Oregon as only two and a half point favorites because. Like I said, Washington under Coach Peterson is still great, okay? And they're 5-2. and two. Like, that's a really good record. This is going to be a big boy separation game. Who wants it more? I think Washington's going to win this simply because of Coach Peterson, and they have been in that spotlight more than Oregon has, simply because Peterson has been at Washington uh, longer than Oregon's coach present has been there. <coughs> uh, I just, I think that, um, Washington wins the cl- wins it close, but I think this is a game where they separate themselves from Oregon and kind of show them we've been here before. We're more mature than you. This is uh, this is how how you you win big time football games. Temple and SMU, folks. Again, SMU is undefeated. SMU is another team that is undefeated, and I think they. But here's the deal, though. Temple's five and one. Temple's five and one, and they just knocked off Memphis. This is another circle at games it's a separation game it's it's a big time game this is fun this is really fun folks you know this is a good week of college football you got temple and smu you got oregon and washington state heck you even got florida and south carolina those are three games where it's going to come down to who wants it more those are close games to who wants it more I really hope SMU wins this but man after seeing what temple uh was able to pull off against memphis i don't know i really don't 
But I, I would like SMU to win. I like SMU as a program. That's just uh, uh, a heart type deal. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Minnesota at Rutgers again. Like I said, Minnesota is undefeated, but uh, they haven't faced incredibly good talent. I will pick Minnesota in this. I think they're kind of starting to roll. But again, we must be. Um, uh, just conscious that it is against a one and five Rutgers squad, so um, take that with a grain of salt. What will you? What have you? Uh, Cincinnati uh, faces Tulsa. Predict them to win that. Appalachian State's another team that's undefeated, folks. Yes, they are, and they face UL Monroe. I think Appalachian State gets the win, um, but uh, hopefully the ranking doesn't get to their heads. Hopefully they they just keep their head down and keep working at it. Baylor and Oklahoma State. Baylor, again, is another one of those teams that is undefeated, but has been winning some close games. Now, for Baylor, this is how I view it in their conference, okay? There's no defense in the Big 12, okay? And so, if you're able to win those close games, I think that says a lot about you, no matter what conference you are in. And if Baylor can continue that that hard work mentality of winning those close games, I think that they can, they can do fine. So, I'm going to pick Baylor over Oklahoma State. Even though Oklahoma State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, I'm still picking Baylor. I think that they have the mental edge over Oklahoma State to, to pull it off. So I'm going to pick Baylor in that one. We have Missouri and Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt's horrible, so we're going to pick Missouri. Uh, Georgia and Kentucky. I think Georgia wins this one pretty decisively. Uh, they're favored by 24-and-a-half, but we got to keep in mind that they came off a pretty reeling loss. Um, I think they're going to be hungry and angry, and they're going to want to get that bad taste out of their mouth, and I think they're really going to go out of their way to, to make Kentucky look bad. So I'm going to pick, uh, pick Georgia. This is another separation game. This is a big-time separation game. Arizona State and Utah. Arizona State and Utah. Both teams are five and one, and we, like I stated, six and one looks a lot more sexy than five and two. And so this is going to be a game where you're going to see who wants it more. I think that Arizona State will win this game, and I'm saying that because that is one of the uh, things that uh, Coach Herman has done with his team. Is if you saw last week's game, they scored near the very end of that game, near the very end. And having been through that over and over and over again, I think that even if Utah gets up on them early, they will never back down. And I think that's a really great thing. Now, it's not a traditional way that you want to win games. You want to win them pretty handedly. You want to, you know, not put, you know, your yourself in that mental headspace of, oh, my God, let's not be in this position again. But I think it benefits you in these big-time separation games where if you do get down early, you know, just keep chipping away. Just keep chipping away. So I will pick Arizona State based on that. Uh, Kansas at Texas, boy, I think Texas is going to beat him up pretty good. Uh, God bless your heart, Les Miles, you're doing an amazing job. Michigan and Penn State. Michigan and Penn State. I think Penn State is going to, uh, beat Michigan pretty, uh, handedly. Okay, no, not handedly. I can see them winning by 10, you know, late. Um, I think it's going to be a classic Big Ten game where you go into the fourth quarter with it being like 14-10 to 10 or 10-7. to 7. But I will say that I can see Penn State pulling away simply because I think Penn State came off a big-time win at Iowa. And they, um, it, you know, for them going into another big-time game at home, that'll be uh, even easier for them. I know going on the road is a lot different than playing at home. And so going from one primetime game to another at your own house, I think that um, proves it pretty decisively that I will pick Penn State. Tennessee and Alabama. I hope Alabama doesn't beat them too bad. Uh, and then Boise State and BYU. I have the uh, Boise State in that one. And here's one of the things that I do want to point out to you listeners. Um, 
there's only a few games that I really base things off of uh, statistically, and, and uh, I will try and get better at that. But one of the things that gets overshadowed so much in sports is how it's all about mentality and the mental state of the athletes within within the program and during the game. And so I think that no one ever takes that into account. Like There will be times when, when a kicker is up there and I go, he's going to miss it. And he might. I'd say about thirty three percent of the time I'm right, which I'm pretty happy of. Like the uh kick that was that uh was uh missed at the end of the Georgia game, I called that because mentally I thought to myself, he's 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 not gonna uh, approach us like all the other ones. Mentally he's not focused. It's all a mental game. For as much as it is physical, for much as it is about all the other intangibles of the game, it's all about your mentality of, of knowing your right reads and overcoming adversity and all of this stuff. So uh, I just want to uh, acknowledge that in case anybody had any um, any worries about why I call games like that. I think, if anything, you as the listener should kind of watch college football or sports in general in a different manner of looking at it from the psychological uh, point of view of thinking, what is that kicker thinking? What is that point guard thinking? What is... Uh, what is that pitcher thinking? You know, what what what's their mentality in that moment? And if you think of it from that perspective, it can open up a new uh, a new way of looking at why they did what they did or why they missed the field goal or or, or, or so on. So, anyway, folks, I again I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, again, if you if you have any comments, concerns, want to cause uh, uh, yeah cause discussion, hit me up at Twitter at APParker01. And folks, it's a it's a great day to be alive. College football is uh, is still reeling, and we still got more big time games this Saturday. It only gets better, folks. Have a great one.